Well, happy Resurrection Day. I hope that you are uh, just having a, a great experience. I, again, I want to welcome you. Wasn't it just an awesome event that just happened here? Give God praise. Give God praise. I'm so glad you're here again. My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so glad that you're here, that you chose to celebrate Easter Sunday with us. And I want to welcome all those who are watching online at the, on uh, the uh, online services this morning. Those who are in the 715, we're glad that you're connecting with us. And I want to encourage you to follow along with the sermon notes this morning we provided for you. Also, if you'll notice, inside the sermon notes, there's this little form that says, we want your questions. We want your questions. And if you would do us a favor, and maybe you have a thought that comes to your mind, maybe you have some questions of faith. I think we all have questions of faith. And what I'm interested in is I'm wondering what your questions of faith are. And I cannot promise that we will answer all of them or address all of them. But in our sermon series in September, we are going to make an attempt to answer some of those questions that you just might have. So if you want to just make sure you, you make a note to be here in our September sermon series, but simply write down those questions. And as you leave today, there are offering boxes at each of the exits, and you can just put those uh, questions that you might have in the offering boxes as you leave today. So again, today is Resurrection Sunday. We call it Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday because Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. Can I say that one more time? Jesus is not dead. He is very much alive. He is very much alive. Amen? The question is, is He alive in you? That is really the million-dollar question, is whether Jesus is alive in you. And we, we, we remember that today, that Jesus, when they went to the tomb, that on, that on that very first day, Easter morning, the two women named Mary, the followers of Jesus, they went to, to, to the tomb to prepare His body for barrier, burial. These two ladies, it's kind of interesting. Just two days earlier, these two ladies and the other disciples experienced, they saw what happened to Jesus. That He was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane and and he was brought before these religious leaders in this just very unfair treatment, this mock trials that they had before him, before the people. Then they brought Jesus before this screaming crowd, the same crowd of people who one week earlier were waving palm branches as Jesus walked into the city of Jerusalem. Those same fickle people, as we can be fickled at some times in our faith, begin to call out for Jesus to be crucified. We know that Pilate had he was kind of he had a weak spine and so he declared that Jesus would be crucified and and they were there. They witnessed what was happening to him. They witnessed the horrific scene of agony as they took Jesus and they tied him to a scourging post and they scourged him some 39 time with the cat of nine tails kind of whip. I'm not going to get into the details of that. They were there when they had a crown of thorns and they mocked him and they, they just placed that, planted that on his head and they laughed at him and they punched him and they spit on him. Th these two ladies, they were there. They saw it. They witnessed it. 
They witnessed as, as they put the cross upon Jesus' shoulders and they demanded that he walk through the streets of Jerusalem and people mocked him and they spit on him and they pulled at his beard. And they said, we, we, you are demanded to walk up that hill, a hill called Golgotha. It is the place of execution. He was made to carry his cross up that hill. They were there. They were there as they saw Jesus willingly laid down upon a cross, maybe like this one we have here today. They were there. They saw it happen. They were there as they heard and they saw the nails being placed into his wrist and into his feet. They, they saw that. They, they, they were there and they saw the cross being raised up and planted into the ground. And they, they, they experienced, they saw Jesus as he began to his body begin to die an excruciating death of suffocation. They were there. They were there and they heard the words that Jesus communicated to the people. See, so talk to God. They talked to the people. He, he not only said it to the people who were in that crowd, but he was looking out to all of humanity and he was looking at you. And he, he said things like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They were there, these two ladies, these same two ladies who were going to the tomb, they saw this. And then they heard his last words. It is finished. Before he tilted his head and died, they saw him breathe his last breath. There, you know, there's nothing, I don't know if you've ever been in, in, in the presence of somebody who is taking their last breath, but there's nothing more final than that. The end of somebody's life. They were there. They saw it happen. They saw the chest no longer breathing. They saw maybe the skin color begin to change. They saw death. But then it says, two days later, two days later, these women, these two women are on their way to Jesus' tomb, there to prepare his body for burial, a proper burial, wondering how is this stone going to be turned away. Then all of a sudden, the Bible says that there was an earthquake just as they arrived at the tomb. A, a, a major earthquake, and it, and it shook these ladies. And then all of a sudden, they're looking at the tomb, and the stone has been rolled away. And now they're, they're, they're staring and looking at an angel that, that comes to talk to them. And the angel said to them, these two ladies who experienced all these things, and you know, in, a, in a state of mourning, and they said, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus. We, we, you were there when he was crucified. You were there. But he's not here. He's... He's not in the tomb any longer. I know that somebody placed him in the tomb, and maybe you saw that too, but he's not here anymore. He's gone. Huh. Because he is risen from the dead. He's been resurrected just as he said would happen. Amen? Did you hear that? Jesus is risen from the dead. And if he was alive back then, he is alive today. Jesus is alive today. 
And if he, he was not there, then that means he is who he says that he is. It means that he came to do what he said that he was going to do, that on the cross, he was going to conquer both sin and death. Check. It means that Jesus is alive today. And because he is alive today, we can now, because of this, we can now be forgiven of our sins. Amen? Say thank you, God, for the forgiveness of our sins. We can be set free from the bondage of our sins. Some of the, some of the people who are baptized today said, I, I, I was set free. That's what Jesus did for me. And Jesus can set you free from your addictions and from your strongholds. Our relationship with God is now restored and we can now have eternal life with God forever. Can I hear an amen for this? Thank you, Jesus. All because He's alive. All because He's no longer in the tomb. All because He is a resurrected King who's resurrecting me. And so the Bible says that, that during that time, then, that Jesus came to His disciples. And He met with them a, a couple of times. And He began to, to, to tell them, He says, now listen, now that you guys, it's almost like they probably just like, now I get it. All those things you were telling us, and now that we see a resurrected king, uh, they, they had like an aha moment. Have you ever had an aha moment before? Like all of a sudden, I now get it. And Jesus tells him, I want you to take what you just get. Now that you get it, what just happened to you? I want you to go and tell the world about this good news. He says, I want you to go into the world and preach. I want you to share, communicate this good news, the gospel to everyone. In other words, if, you, if you're here today, and I don't know where you are in your faith journey, we're all different places. But if you're here today and you, you proclaim the name of Christ, you are called to go and to share this good news to the, to the world around you, the people in your world. We're called to communicate that. Well, that's great. That's great. And, and some of you are really good at that. But let me ask you this. Have you ever been in that place and you're trying to share somebody what your faith is and you just kind of run across the mumbly stumblies and you're just, have you ever been there before? And so we have been, here at Thrive Church, we have been in this sermon series called The Good News. And what we have done in the past few weeks is we have taken a, just a four steps. We've, do, we've only accomplished, we've only went through three. I've said, this is the good news. This is the good news. This is the good news. Now today, we're going to finish that four part. Now, Again, I don't know where you are in your faith journey. I don't even know if you even believe in God. It's okay. I get that. But today you're in for a treat because for some of you, you may have questioned, what is this whole Christianity thing? What, what do these Christians believe? Anyhow, what is, what, if, if I could just put it in, in, in an eggshell, what would it be? Today I'm going to do that for you. As simple as I can make it. What is this good news. What is the gospel? We're going to take all these four pieces and we're going to put them together. Are you ready for that? The first news is the best news. It's one of my, I, I love it. I love this, that God loves you. 
God loves you, and God wants to have a relationship with you. But here, let's just stop right here. It really, it all starts with your belief. What is your belief about God? Is he the creator of the world? Is he the creator of the universe? Is he your creator? It all starts there. That's really the foundation of it. But not only did, did, did God create all of the, the heavens and the earth, but he created you. And his plan and his purpose in creating you is that he could have a relationship with you. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you with you. And he tells us this loud and clear. The most famous scripture verse in all of the Bible, John 3:16, you've heard it many times, but this is what it means. It says for God. For God. Yes, there is a God, and he loved you. He loved the world and he lo- if you're in the world, he loves you very much, and he loved you so much that he gave his one and only son Jesus to die for you on a cross. And that whoever believes in Jesus, they would not perish, but you can have eternal life with God. I have just said so much in those few short statements. Listen to me. I don't know where you are in life, but some of you are here today and you need it to be reminded no matter what you've done, no matter what has happened in your life, God loves you. God loves you with an everlasting and unfailing love. And God loved the world so much. And it's so easy, we know this. Some of you have been fooled by someone's words when they said, I love you. And we've learned the hard way that it's easy to say, I love you. But the proof is in the demonstration, and God knew that. And so he demonstrated his love for you by giving to us the world his son, Jesus Christ to come to earth as a man, to to pay a debt we could never pay. God's plan was that we would be able to know him. John 17, Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Listen to me, God knows all about you, okay? He knows the good, He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. And still God wants to have a relationship with you. God's greatest desire is that you would pursue a relationship with him. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But what does it mean to know someone? What does that mean? I mean, because I'm looking out of the crowd and I I see many of you that I know, but I really don't know you. To really know somebody is, is more than just a knowledge, but is to, ha- to know somebody's heart. To know somebody. So Michelle and I, we, we, we got to spend some time with some friends that, that they, they just moved from Wisconsin to Phoenix, Arizona. And we just, these are friends that we really know. You have friends that you just really know, and they know us, the good, the bad, the ugly. We have relationship. God knows you. He wants you to know him. And this only happens in the context of relationships. So understand, God created you, God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. However, everybody say however. However, there's a problem. Point number two, there's a problem is our sin. 
our sin, wait a second, not just our sin, but your sin is a problem. It's a problem that all of us have. You see, all of us are born. We are born tainted by sin, which causes this separation from God. We're born with it. We have this sin nature. It was, it was passed down from our great, 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 you know, you just keep going. Grandma and Grandpa. Adam and Eve. Grandpa Adam. Grandma Eve. Passed down to us. It is in our nature. And because, listen to me, because our God is a holy God, He cannot live in a relationship with any kind of sin. And here's the deal. A lot of people think, why did God leave me? What in this terrible situation, why did God leave me? I wonder about that question at times. And I wonder if maybe the question should be, why did I leave Him? Because I don't believe God leaves us. I believe because of our sin nature, we oftentimes leave Him. It's not, it's not so much that God separates us from Him, from him but we separate ourselves from God. And when that happens, when sin enters in, we've ruined the relationship with Him that God intended for us to have. And as a result, we experience separation. The Apostle Paul tells us this is serious. Romans 3.23, he says, all of us, we have this sin disease. He says, for everyone, everyone has sinned. And we fall short of God's glory. So right now, the whole world, the, the one thing we all have in common throughout the entire world, I don't know if anybody's exempt from it or not, but we're going through this pandemic called COVID-19, and I think there's some other variants that are, that are out there. And we've discovered that really nobody is immune from this disease and they're still not sure that they have found a cure for it. Well, I want you to know today, even more so than this COVID-19, sin is a worldwide pandemic of the soul. And it doesn't just destroy the life here on earth, but it destroys a life for eternity. Wherever there is sin, we must always receive the consequences for our disobedience. That's what sin is. Sin is your willing disobedience against what God is telling you to do. The Apostle Paul says, for the wages of our sin is death. So what our wages are is, uh, wages are, um, it's a form of consequences. You get what you deserve. So for good or bad, consequences can be good, they can be bad, right? You go to work and you work 40 hours a week and then you, you put on an extra 10 hours of overtime and you, you receive the wages for that, for you get what you deserve. What Paul says, what you get for what you deserve for your sin is death. Not only physical death, but a spiritual death. Separation from God. Unfortunately, I have some bad news for all of us. I don't know if you realize this or not. I just talked about what happened on the cross. But did you know for every sin that you commit against God, that's what you deserve? 
not just a one-time occurrence, but over and over and over again. You see, we don't have enough lives. We don't have enough lives to make up for our sin. Can you, can you see the hopelessness of this situation? Understand this morning the hopelessness of your situation. And here's what we try to do. We try to do this thing called atone. We try to atone for our sins. To atone means to do something right, to try to make up for what we did wrong. You ever tried to do that before? How many husbands, you, yeah, you've tried to do that before. Yeah, I really messed up, so I really need to atone for this thing that I've done. And, and here's how we try to do that. We try to do this, we try to do it with good works. I'm just going to try to do better. You ever tried? How many of you have tried to do better? <laughs> I'm just, I, that's it. I've learned my lesson. I'm just going to do better. And, and I remember as a kid, uh, I, I, would, I would get in trouble at school. And then when I came home from school, I had a paper route and I would deliver newspapers. And the whole time during this paper route, I'm looking for opportunities that I can make up because I knew God saw what I did at school. And the teacher is going to, going to call my parents tonight, if I could somehow atone for what I did, and I'm looking for any grandma that I can help across the street, or if I can hurry and rake some grandma's yard, then that would, God would see that and say, all right, all right, we're even now, all right? That's what it means to, to, to try to have good works to atone for your sins. Are there some people, they try religious acts, in other words, I, I just, I'm going to go to church a little bit earlier. Maybe, God, you notice that. And, and, and I don't know if you notice that I'm praying a little bit longer here too, God. And, and I don't know, I read an extra verse in the Bible, God. I don't know if you noticed that. And we try to do this because we're trying to appease God. Or maybe, it's, or maybe some people, they try to atone by changing their philosophy. There's people who just, maybe if I just, think a better way? What if I just adjusted my philosophy on life to change the narrative? What if, what if there really is no sin, no such thing as sin? And what if there is no such thing as hell? What if only all people went to heaven and we just change our philosophy to, to fit the narrative and like all of a sudden that's going to make us feel better. But here's the problem. By changing our philosophy, it does not change the truth of the matter. It's only dreaming. You see, there's only one way. There's only one way. So if these things are not the answer, then what is the solution? Are you with me this morning? Number one, God loves you. God loves you with an everlasting love. God wants to have a relationship with you. Number two, you have a sin problem. And you cannot fix that sin problem. And it is a hopeless situation. But number three, God provided the solution. And he provided it through, our, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You see, the debt of the world's sin is so massive. Listen to me. It was not just for your sin that you deserve the cross over and over, but it was for all mankind. Well, who, who can do that? Who can pay that debt? There's nobody. Only, there's only one person big enough, and they, it's got to be got to be a God. And there's only one who is perfect enough, and that is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's only 
provision for our sin. You are here today. Maybe you wanted to know, what is the foundation of our faith? God loves you with an everlasting love. You have a sin problem, and Jesus is the solution to that sin problem. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can have our sins forgiven and restored into a right relationship with God. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5.8, he says that God showed His great love. There it, there it goes again. God's showing, out, showing off His great love for us. If you get anything out of this message today, understand God loves you. And He demonstrated His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. Even when we were at our worst. Even when you, you are the least person who deserves any of this. Even at the most, when at the point we were giving God the finger, God still loves us. God still sent His Son, Jesus, on a mission. God paid the debt for our sin through Jesus' work on the cross. Amen? Jesus came to earth, and He died. And He was buried in a tomb. And two days later, he was resurrected from the grave. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians. He says, Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said. Can you imagine? Can, can you just imagine seeing a dead man walking? Maybe you've been at a funeral before. Maybe you were there the moment that that person died. And you were there at the funeral. And then you were there at the graveside when they lowered that body. I mean, you saw them close the casket. You saw that being lowered into the grave. Maybe you saw the guys putting a little bit of dirt on it and you walked away. Three days later, that guy shows up at your house. It would catch my attention. It would catch my attention. It might change my paradigm a little bit, especially if he's hanging around. He's talking to me. And the Bible says that's what he did with Peter. Not only Peter, but all of the other disciples. In fact, Paul even tells us that he showed up to over 500 people for an extended amount of time. Witnesses that Jesus was who he said he was. That he did what he said that he would do. And he accomplished what no one else could accomplish. And you know, because of this, because of the resurrection, that gives Jesus the right to make the boldest statement that any human being has ever made on this entire earth. You ready for this statement? This, pro this statement is probably the most controversial statement in the entire Bible because it's in John 14, 6 that Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one. No exceptions. No one can come to the Father. Nobody can reach heaven. Nobody can come to God except through me. Jesus declared He's the way. The only way. It, the audacious. How audacious is that? That He would say, I'm the only way to God. 
I want you to know he's the only way to God. That he is the truth. I believe mankind is looking for what is truth. And Jesus is saying, the truth that you're looking for is found only in me. All other truths of the world are wishful thinking. The life that you're looking for, not only abundant life here on earth, that peace that passeth all understanding, even in the midst of a storm, is only found in, in me. But that eternal life that you're looking for can only be found in Jesus. Jesus is the only way to God. So, if Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the truth and the life, how can I receive his gift of salvation? Have you noticed? We've, we have these pieces here. Let me just stop right here. Because this is almost all review. If you've been a part of this sermon series, this is all review. We're now just putting all these pieces together. God loves you. You have a sin problem. God sent his son Jesus as the answer for your sin problem. What is the fourth piece? And it's so simple. And it's all up to you. And that last piece is, it's your decision. God will never force himself upon you. God will never try, try to make you change. He, he leaves that up to you. You need to only make that decision. We decide to place our faith in Jesus as Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our lives. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if, can we stop right here? If, if is one of those decision words. If, I mean, it's kind of like, you don't have to. Nobody's forcing you. It can't be any other way. You, you either decide, or you, you, you decide God or you decide not God. It's your decision. And oh, by the way, no decision really is a decision. Can we just, can we just clarify that part? I'm not sure about God. When, when you're there, you really have made a decision about God. Okay, so let's just clarify that part. He says, but if, if, everybody say if, if. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you see, it's a heart issue. It's more than just head knowledge, but it's in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that that resurrection, that Jesus is not on the cross, that he rose again, and there is an empty tomb, you will be saved. You see, saved is not one of those evangelical words that the bunch of evangelical pastors got together and they said, how can we scare the dickens out of people? Just, yeah, save. Let them know that they're, you know, it's not something made up. This is in the Word. You will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Again, if, if, it's your decision. If you declare Jesus is Lord, if you would just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Understand, there is no other way. P please accept that today. And you may think, no, no, there's many ways. I'm telling you, show me where. There is no other way than through Jesus. 
And I, I can't close out this message without telling you this, because a lot of people, they get confused, but Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, God, we got that word again, saved. God saved you by His grace. You know what that word grace means? It means you don't deserve it. But I'm going to give it to you anyhow. You don't deserve it. You don't, you, there's nothing you could do in a million lifetimes that would cause you, you to deserve what God gives you. He says, God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. God's salvation is a gift from God. It is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It's not by your works. It's not by your religious actions. God is not up there. He is not a scorekeeper. It's like, oh, oh, if you just do one more good thing, just reach, oh, you're almost there. Doesn't work that way with God. It's not a scorekeeper. It's by grace. Remember just last week I was talking about this, about what it means to be saved. Just imagine... Somebody threw you out of an airplane and there you are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and you're doggy paddling and you're looking for some kind of log to climb onto because you are running out of breath. Some of you might be there right now just trying to stay afloat, barely, just barely making it, just looking for somebody to come and save you, somebody come rescue and out of nowhere comes this motorboat, pulls up right beside of you and puts his hand out to you, here, I'm here to save you. And the audacity of that person to say, no thanks, I got it. I, I, I can see land, I'm about 1,500 miles out, but I think I can see land from here. And you know it, some of you are, are doing this today. I'll do anything. And God says, all you have to do is trust me and receive. Trust and believe. I heard a story that I hope maybe can wrap this up. In the early 1800s, there was a man from England, and he was visiting some of the southern states, and, and he was in this town square. And lo, and lo and behold, he comes across a slave auction. And, he's, and it's just grotesque what he has seen. He looks up on the platform, and, and there is this African woman, and, and she is being jeered, and people are laughing and making a mockery, and there's beds. And it just, nobody was ever created to be a slave. And he's just disgusted by what he sees, and he's got to do something about it. And he gets off his horse, and he just starts bidding away, and he makes an outrageous bid. And everybody stops bidding. They all look at him and they start laughing because they know that he's bidding way more than what she's worth. And they're laughing and they're sneering like, yeah, what's going to happen with this? Man wins the bid. Goes and he pays the cashier the outlandish amount that he paid and walked up to that slave woman. Said, I want you to come with me. Takes her into town into the register's office where he registered, where he's supposed to get registered her as his slave. He says, I want you to stay right here. And he goes into the other office. He says, how much for her freedom? And they laughed at her. 
They said, it's double the amount. What are you paid? Pulls out his money and he pays. They sign this paper, this document, and they sign it. And here, give this to her. He walks out of the office and he looks at her and she spits in his face. And she's, she doesn't know what's going to happen. She doesn't, because nobody's born to be a slave. And he hands her this piece of paper and he says, these are your freedom papers. You're now free. You're no longer a slave. Now she has a decision to, to make at that point in time. She can throw that piece of paper aside and just become that man's slave and just continue to live the life of a slave. Or she can receive those freedom papers and start to live the freedom life. Are you catching my drift this morning? Catching what I'm trying to say? Because it's your decision. And I love the imagery that Jesus gives to us in Revelations 3.20. Where Jesus gives us imagery. And back in those days, to ha- sit down and have a meal with somebody was to say, I want to be your friend forever. I want to have a relationship, a connection with you. And so Jesus uses this imagery, and I just want you to just kind of imagine it's happening to you this morning, that Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He says, if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together. We will be friends. Do you catch, again, the imagery? Do you catch where it's your decision. Because you can sit there today and just ignore the knocking. And I know he does it. How many of you have ever felt God knocking at your heart before? I believe each and every one of you, wherever you're at today, you're watching online, I believe for some of you, God is knocking at the door of your heart. And the decision is, will you open the door of your heart and receive the freedom papers that he has for you? Will you do that this morning? If you're here today and you know you are a slave to your sin, if you're here today and you would like to receive the freedom papers that only Jesus can give to you, I'm going to encourage you. I want you to know that, again, as simple as a decision, as simple as it is to have a relationship with God is always only a prayer way. And if you'd like to make that decision this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, you'd like to make the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, will you follow along with me? I would like all of us to bow our heads at this time. I'm going to make this as simple as possible. I want you to just say, God, I need you. I acknowledge what you did for me on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm asking you today to forgive me. I believe that you rose again and that you are alive today. And so because of that, I put my faith in you as the way, the truth, and life. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to pursue my life to know you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
I don't know if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, if anybody's here or those who are watching online, but I want you to know what the Bible says in heaven that when people commit their lives to Christ, that all of heaven rejoices. So right now, can we just have another Super Bowl party and can we just rejoice with heaven? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you want to know what this whole Christian thing is all about, the gospel message is that God loves you, wants to have a relationship with you, but you have a sin problem and you can't fix it. And that's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what the cross is all about. He paid your price for you. But He didn't stay dead. And He's alive today. And because He's alive today, you have the ability to choose life in Christ. Amen? And I, let me tell you just quickly here. Well, This is what happens when you accept God's good news into your life. First of all, Christ came into your life just right now. Some of you, Christ just now entered your life. He placed his spirit inside of you. Second of all, your sins were forgiven. No longer do you owe anything. You are a new person in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Number three, you have become a child of God. You're a child of God. You're right now just say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I am your child. You have received eternal life. No longer do you need to think and worry, am I going to go to heaven when I die? I'm not sure. I want you to know if you've made that decision this morning, you can be sure you will have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And last of all, you have now begun the great adventure about living this life more abundantly through Christ Jesus, can we give him praise this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All because God's not dead. He is alive. And he wants to be alive in you. And it's your decision of whether you'll let that happen. So all around this room, Father, I just pray we would come to know you more just as you know us we want to grow in our faith we want to grow in our walk we want to know you we thank you lord that you are alive become alive in me i pray in jesus name i pray amen 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 hey this is sheldon miles here pastor at thrive church and i want to thank you for watching this video and if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.